This is episode number 16 of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to leading your life with passion, purpose, perspective, and prosperity. Each week, we feature entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who provide powerful strategies for creating a remarkable first impression that leads to a lasting impact in your business, brand, and personal life. So come join us as we transform your mindset and teach you the lessons that you want and need to become love noteworthy. Welcome back, lovers, to the Love Noteworthy podcast. Today, I wanted to start off this episode with an inspirational quote from our guest. So she says that everyone is born great. It's a simple matter of channeling one's passion to enable them to shine. And that's Kelly, our guest today's motto. And I'm so happy to have her with us today. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to be interviewing you. I'm really excited. I've been following along with you for a little while now. And I'm really glad that we have the opportunity to connect. Uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar with this exceptional young woman, uh, Kelly is a motivational speaker, consultant, coach, and humanitarian who is recognized as one of Canada's top 20 under 20, an Ontario Provincial Change the World Youth Ambassador, and a recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal. She's very tenacious in nature. Kelly has definitely created a ripple effect of positive change in the both Canadian and international community. And she manages a number of projects right now, including the Kelly effect, the U effect, my clean city. And she's definitely one of the top, uh, I would say youth engagement consultants, not only in Canada, but in North America. So I'm so grateful to have you here today to talk about everything that you're working on right now. Well, thank you so much for the warm introduction. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So why don't we dive in and why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey growing up and how you got to where you are today? Because you're a very young individual still. I think you're only 21, right? And you... Yeah, I'm 22 now. Um, But yes, I I, I feel old in the youth sector, (laughs) but maybe not in the corporate world quite yet. Um, It really started for me uh, as a young person. I've always been kind of your ambitious go-getter, overachiever. But uh, when I was growing up, I, I found that I was bullied a lot and I was always made aware of my limitations and the things I couldn't do, wasn't good at. And that also came with my ideas and a lot of the ideas would always, we just live in a world that's naturally tends to be negative and really kind of point out maybe the flaws of ideas and not necessarily Mm -hmm. the potential for success. So I really didn't have a lot of self-esteem growing up and it wasn't until I actually got involved in volunteering. Um, Due to, I had to drop a lot of my extracurriculars when I was in high school um, at at one point in my life. And in doing so, I I took up some volunteer opportunities to fill that void. And when I was volunteering, I was able to get on, to take on leadership positions that were kind of beyond my age or experience. I was able to be like event director or council president. and, And in those roles, I was able to try out some of those ideas that I never really had a platform to do before. And when I did, um, 
I really started to understand my true impact. My very first idea I had was the simple idea to do this inter-school competition in my local hometown to bring awareness to uh, the volunteer center of our city. And and in two weeks, we had generated over 21 volunteer hours and over 1,500 of my peers logged on and participated in our challenge. So that little teeny idea that that I neglected its significance already had a profound impact in a very short time. And that's really kind of when I realized that that I really had potential beyond what I w- had learned from my peers or what I was being told from all the from all the naysayers, you could say. And I realized that there wasn't just a straight path to success in life, that I didn't have to have everything laid out in front of me and all the experience under my belt before I was qualified to try an idea. And through that process, I started to try more ideas and grow my impact in my community. And eventually I wanted to share that experience. I felt like I had this like hidden kind of ladder to to expedite my learning. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to share that with my peers. So I started, I became a motivational speaker, Uh, kind of threw myself into it. I decided instead of sharing my experience with my peers over coffee, I wanted to share it live on a stage in front of 7,000 at, <laughs> at Wee Day in my local town. <laughs> I don't know where my thinking was in that, but I there, I, there I, I chose to do so. And when I stepped on that stage and I looked out into the crowd and I saw 7,000 of my peers looking back at me, filled with similar passions, the bright eyes of filled with ideas and wanting to pursue their own goals, but also that sense of confusion and lack of direction and encouragement. I realized that I wanted to be that, that, that person for them that I didn't have. I wanted to be that support, that positive voice showing them all the potential in their success and all the different ways that they could achieve that success beyond maybe their current circumstances or limitations that they might have. And that's really kind of what set forth the momentum that I have moving forward and where a lot of the work I've done now has kind of stemmed from. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's one of the key things to remember um, because I know a lot of people are very reluctant to do public speaking engagements, whether it be for 20 people or 7,000. But if you kind of take um, that mindset that you're doing it for people, it's not about you and your ego. It makes it a lot easier to be able to share your vision and passion, right, with an audience. Well, I truly, my mission is actually um, empowering the world one heart at a time. And I really take this mission mm-hmm. to full heart when, when I do any of my speaking activities that it, even in an, if, if you look at an audience of 7,000, even if I just inspired one person, I, I believe that my time um, and w- was, was a success because you never know that potential of that one person. That one person could found your next Google. Yeah. They could create their ne- the next Heart and Stroke Foundation, touch millions of people through charity and, and, and um, innovation. You never really know that potential of that person. So um, I really like to emphasize the, the impact of one person and, and um, not to underestimate the impact of small actions. Yeah, I mean, like even with the We Day, it all came out of Mark and Craig Kielberger, which are just two people that... Um, had an opportunity to 
help out to build like a school and all of a sudden it's become this international amazing organization that's influenced so many people and inspired so many people so well everything in history actually has spurred from almost one person if you really think about it um i often use i often refer to martin luther king um i because i I, when you read in textbooks all these amazing leaders and the change that they've done but if you really look at it they're all started off like you and me today they were simple people with a passion martin luther king was a simple person who had a passion and he decided to share it with the world and by sharing his passion he was able to start a societal revolution and it really just comes down to finding your passion and sharing your voice regardless of what realm you want to pursue um what your goals or ideas are are it all really comes down to to harnessing that voice and and starting as an individual Mm -hmm. and of course you're a very extremely passionate individual and have been so from a young age um was there some like people, certain people that were your influences or inspirations when you were a younger child or even today? Yeah, um, I've had a variety of inspirations. People, I get asked this a lot, actually, and I can never give an answer of like, oh, well, this is my ultimate role model or like <laughs> my biggest mentor because I what I seem to do is I take, I like, one is I, I feel personally you always um, want to be yourself. So to emulate, to be just like with someone else, then you lose your uniqueness. But mm-hmm. I think in general, what I've done is I've, I've mishmashed inspiration from a number of sources to come up with like this ultimate <laughs> mentor, I guess that, yeah. um, basically taking from, from different industries. Cause I think you can really learn from uh, people in different walks of life in different stages. So I've taken inspiration from people such as Martin Luther King to always remind me that I as one person can have that large ripple effect that I strive to have in this world. Or I'll take inspirations from people like, um, things like Oprah who has kind of created her own enterprise mm-hmm. uh, about about empowering others and then I'll take more inspirations from maybe entrepreneurs uh, and and really learn about how I love this I'm fascinated with this idea that some of our greatest brands today were at one point, the idea, they were started by an idea written on a paper napkin. And I really kind of let that remind me that everything has has a starting point and uh, the potential of, of that idea can, can really grow exponentially. So I really draw from inspirations, from legends, from established role models, and then, of course, my immediate surroundings of some more closer personal mentors that are um, that I li- that I interact with on more of a daily basis. So I think everyone should really have a healthy mix, maybe more like a, a mentor table as opposed to just one person. <laughs> yeah, that's great. There's a lot of books that talk about having kind of your own round table, so to speak, of like 10 people that you derive inspiration from as opposed to just one, because there's no, like you said, there's no right or wrong path yeah. or a certain path that you need to take to success. It's what's feels right for you and what is going to inspire you to push as hard as you can. So I think deriving inspiration from multiple people is so key for sure. So you talked a little bit. Well, and I also think you, you will shift. Oh, sorry. No, no, you go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I also think you, you shift also in who your mentors and inspirations are depending on the stage of your life. I don't think you'll always have just one of the same inspiration throughout your life because as you develop and grow, um, you're going to enter different fields or different areas of your life and you might draw inspiration from someone particularly because they they can relate to you on that level of that stage. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's it's an evolution process as well. Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, so you had talked about creating a ripple effect and one of the projects that you're currently working on is called the Kelly effect. So for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and like what impact it has on the Canadian and international community and what's in store for it? The Kelly effect was founded again on the principle of empowering the world one heart at a time, but more importantly on the larger kind of theme of all the work that I do, which is based on kind of the butterfly effect of change that, um, through small actions, uh, I can really inspire a ripple effect. And so the Kelly effect was founded with the butterfly effect of change and the Kelly pizzazz added to it. <laughs> and what I worked, uh, what I do within that or within the organization is it started off working with nonprofit organizations in particular on bridging the gap between youth and community. I found that there was so many gaps that existed um, when trying to interact and engage the younger generation and, and create quality relationships and with them. So it started off on creating these custom nonprofit programs for um, volunteer organizations and charities to really kind of engage young people in their regions, in their programs, and, and, and shift that perspective. And, and interest of youth, um, and it's def- and it's evolved now to become a full youth marketing agency and consulting firm. Where essentially now we work with global brown brands such as Staples, H and M, your big names, as well as still I always have a special place in my heart for the nonprofit sector and bridging that gaps to really understand. Not just, I want to point out, not just the millennial generation. Right now, there's you'll learn that there's a lot of millennial experts out there, mm-hmm. um, and we're always talking about millennials. They're the generation that's researched the most in history. But what generation isn't uh, really acknowledged yet, and what I think is really an underrated generation right now is Generation Z, which is my generation. Uh, people don't realize it, but uh, anyone under under 24 and is really coming up as a different generation than millennials, and a lot of brands and organizations aren't really prepared for what our generation is bringing to the marketplace because we're very different. We lack that brand loyalty. We have mm-hmm. a shorter tension span, but we're also very independently spirited entrepreneurs neural driven and passionate so it's a very different shift I guess in in the sectors and so I'll work most recently a lot of my work is um, revolving around coaching various stakeholders and understanding uh this generation, how to market to them, how to engage with them and retain them as talent internally as well. Uh, and so that's where a lot of the work is right now. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's co- very cool to see how, I guess, like the millennial and then Gen Z are evolving as time goes on, just because obviously like with Generation Z or Z or whatever you want to call it, um, like we're just reaching that age group where people are like legally in the working force and they're actually creating an impact in organizations. Whereas a few years ago, even um, people were still at that kind of like school level age, you know what I mean? And so 
It was very interesting to see the differences and just how tech savvy they are in comparison to even millennials or like Gen X. Um, It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing is though, that's the thing. We often neglect the influence and the impact of engaging the school generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of value in engaging, particularly with Gen Z, because Gen Z is entrepreneurial. Over 72% of high school students want to start their own businesses. And if you look at trends even, um, you're going to find that there's – I just actually spoke to a nine-year – with my media series, You Affect – I just spoke to a nine-year-old who has founded her own shoe company. It's already talking to Aldo Town Shoes, the Bay for distribution, and she's nine years old. We are. Uh, I know another. I know a twelve-year-old who founded a multi-million-dollar charity. Like our our generation is much more evolved in the fact that although we're high school or we're students, um, that doesn't necessarily stunt our our vision anymore Mm -hmm. uh, where we follow the standard path of having to wait till we're out of school to enter the workforce uh so there's a there's a unique opportunity there if you really understand uh, and give them the opportunities they need to engage them at a younger age and keep them and retain their interest in your brand organization as they grow uh one big thing is when we stick, when if when we're young entrepreneurs uh, and we get accustomed to certain resources or tools and opportunities or brands, uh, we'll most likely associate those with those as we grow and move forward. So there's a unique opportunity there that a, a lot of organizations sometimes miss because they just again they slough them off as oh well they're they're not entering the workforce yet or they're not of age yet. But uh, so there's yeah there's some gaps. Yeah, there. absolutely. <laughs> And it's amazing, like, with technology and just the resources available, what people can do at a younger age. Because, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest differentiation factors is that resources are just apparent everywhere. And therefore, like, younger people can take those opportunities to really be proactive and create massive change in the world at a younger age because of things like the Internet and whatnot. So... Yes, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, when I mentor youth, that's a big, big issue that we're always talking about is uh, not only do does community or an organization sometimes rep- underestimate youth, but we do ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I what I still remember this this recent quote I had from one of my a lot of my ventures are youth run for youth, and I do this purposely because I want to be a platform that believes in first chances, ones that give the opportunity for youth to get their experience. Because we often, it's often a chicken and egg scenario. Often people say it's not really based on age that we hire, it's based on experience. But who's going to be the first one who takes the chance on the youth and gives them that experience? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's really kind of what I strive to fill that void for. But one thing I I hear consistently is they always are, we, we often doubt ourselves. And I had one individual I had offered her um, to a city regional management position for my for my youth leadership organization, and she emailed me back and she said, "Miss Lavelle, I can't accept this position. I'm not 18." And I said, "Well, why does that matter?" And she said, "Well, how can you trust me with such responsibility and at my young age?" And it really kind of testifies to the and and, and shows that 
that we ourselves as a generation need to build our confidence and and we need to have that support and that mentorship from from elders or from from other people in our community to show us sometimes where our potential is and what we're capable of doing in our in our immediate uh, surroundings. Mm-hmm. And voice, our voice and technology are are the answers to a lot of these these doubts. Uh, we often kind of well, I, I get answers like, well, I can't pursue my idea because I don't have I don't have the experience or I don't have access to the funding or I um the the corporate support and things like that but two things that every youth have that's more powerful than any of that is media and their voice through media they're able to amplify their message and share their voice with an entire world if they want and really gain momentum that they need to spark change and the rest of those those missing pieces will sometimes come like the foundation of things like crowdfunding and things like that but it also is really kind of where you can mobilize your peers to get involved in your specific cause i had um i recently I recently attended the Clinton Global Initiative and I met a colleague from Saudi Arabia and she in particular, for those of the listeners in Saudi Arabia, just a reminder that women aren't allowed to drive and she decided to take a stand for that and the way she did so as a youth is she videotaped herself driving a car and posted it on YouTube. It went viral and certainly started um, an uproar and a movement. And that's a perfect example of how, as a young person without any resources, she took her voice and she took media and she was able to spark change. So definitely uh, our world enables our generations nowadays to really at any stage of their life take on uh, their ideas and act on them and really have the capabilities to to develop them as they see fit. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so this question, I feel like you've kind of already answered a little bit, but you are a regular writer for the Huffington Post. And one of the articles that you posted last year was about why millennials are ideal leaders of change. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about why you believe that the millennial and Gen Z generation is so suited to being change makers now, as opposed to being like future leaders? Like, That's one of the things that's kind of my pet peeve is saying that we're the leaders of tomorrow or the future leaders. It's like, what about being the now leaders? You know what I mean? (laughs) I love that you say that because actually one of my slogans that I use is um, we're youth are not the leaders of tomorrow. We're the leaders of today. That's (laughs) my message that I I share in a lot of the work that I do. So that's wonderful. Yes. I'm I'm a true believer of that myself. And um, well, Youth in general are are ideal change leaders for a number of reasons, but the core is we see the world without the common lenses. We haven't been jaded yet, and we're we're not afraid to question the status quo and and, and challenge society. I think it's it still goes back to that standard principle where imagine a a family event. You have the the toddler in the room that all of a sudden silences all the adults because they ask a simple question of why to an issue and everyone's kind of confounded with the, with the answer. Is sometimes we ask the simple questions that mm-hmm. really kind of point out 
the, the, the answers to our problems. And a lot of it is starts from, well, why is it like that? And it's, well, just because that's the way it's always been. Well, why? And, and we're willing to dig deep and, and challenge that and create solutions that, that change society in the way we, we operate from traditional means. Uh, so I really do believe that it's our sense of curiosity, our passion, and our, our in a lot of ways, we, we crave innovation this generation. We're mm-hmm. always looking to innovate and create. And I think it comes from the fact that we're born in an age where we're very much more aware of everything in the world. We learn of the hardships of the world at a very young age. I know um, you know, young toddlers, the age, the age of five, who are very much aware of already all the things that are going on around in the world and all the problems that we have and the need to recycle and all these different things in it because of media. So it, it's, it's a two way street on media. It, mm-hmm connected but also makes us more aware of all the harsh realities of life but in doing so it's given us this sense of purpose that we feel in a lot of ways we to be the solution or we want to create a solution for our problems so we're innovators in that sense and that's really what poses us I think to be those ideal chain leaders change leaders because we've access to the tools to act on our ideas and we have the motivation uh to really be the solutions and, and change the world, change the way the world is working right now. That's really great. I love that. Um, that kind of leads into my next question that I had for you. For young millennials or Gen Zers, there's a lot of international change makers that are doing big things in the world right now. Um, and I know that one of the things that might hold younger people back is that they compare themselves to these people that are doing amazing things and get, I guess, discouraged or self-conscious or have that mindset of how do I get to that level when I'm just here? You know what I mean? So do you have any strategies that Mm -hmm. people can really use to pursue or figure out what their passion and their purpose is and build the confidence in their abilities to pursue them at a young age? Like one of the things that you said before was that it's just remembering that everything came from something, like whether it be an idea coming from a, a paper napkin or just one person with one vision that was relentless with pursuing it. So do you have any advice? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for sure. Actually, um, I work, that's a, one of my main missions is, is peer empowerment. So uh, I, have, I have a twofold answer to that question. The first is actually the strongest motivation that an inspiration for a youth is actually peer empowerment. Instead, when someone's doubting their ability, if you can show some, someone that someone similar to their age and look at what they're doing, I think in a lot of ways, instead of taking it as a negative, I can see that more as an inspiration of if they can do it, I can too type mm-hmm. of attitude. And um, uh, basically, it's what the core to all my work revolves around is I'm trying to use my life and my experiences as a springboard for my peers to realize their own capabilities. So I've come from humble beginnings. I haven't come from, from anything that would have posed, poised me to, to be success. I haven't come from a first generation scholar. I came from a low income family. I haven't had the connections, the wealth, the influence or anything really that could maybe prime me 
to to be successful or to create these these large ventures that I'm doing. So what I'm trying to do is use my experiences as a springboard to show my peers that if I can build something from nothing, that they can too. And if if and in my truest my, my, my truest passion is anything is possible with passion and drive. And I will go out of my way to find many impossibles that my generation or my peers think. And I will go to my way to show them that it's possible if you pursue it with that heart and passion and drive. So, for example, uh, this summer, I'm, this winter, I should say, I, I made it to the red carpet at the Oscars from a small town, yes. small town Canadian girl made it all the way to LA and, and, at the Oscars. And I did that through sharing my passion, through being driven, and, and really trying to to find supporters who shared in that same vision. And I continually find those little mini impossibles, and I, I dedicate my entire life and my career to using it as a springboard to show my peers that we create our own limitations, and it's really it's a matter of self doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you're told you you can't do something or something isn't possible rather than taking that as a negative what i want to really encourage my peers to do is learn how to flip that learn how to flip that and and let it drive and fuel your motivation to achieve so every time it's it takes a little bit to to kind of get this technique but if you can consciously flip your thinking that every time someone's told that you can't do something to motivate you instead to want to do it more to to prove to them that it's possible and let it push you forward and propel propel you forward you will really become unstoppable because there's ample doubt in this world you will not there will never be a time where you can't find someone around the corner who's ready to tell you that something you're doing is is impossible or that you yourself, the doubt that you feel. So if you can harness that doubt and you let it push you forward, you'll really have that motivation and momentum to, to pursue that goal of yours. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that I've been trying to be a lot more cognizant of is sort of those naysayers, like you said, and just realizing that if there are people that are doubtful of your vision, it almost like means that you're going in the right track in the sense that you're creating something new or scary or innovative that people are either going to love or hate. And that's a good thing. It's just, you have to focus on the lovers, right? As opposed to the haters. Um, and also, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yes. That's very true to be honest with you because that's that's the essence of leadership. You yeah. can't lead a path that's already made. Mm-hmm. If you're walking the path that everyone knows, you're not innovating. In order to be, I think it was, I forget who said this. I think it was like, it must have been Albert Einstein or something like that where um, it, you have to be crazy to innovate. Because it really, I, I'm messing up the quote, but essentially in a lot of ways, in order to innovate, you have to create something that no one can comprehend yet, that hasn't been made into an existence. So in, in order to do that, of course, no one's going to, you're not going to have huge supporters of it and telling you that it's 100% possible, because if it was possible, they would have done it already themselves. Yeah, exactly. So you will have that resistance. It's it's the nature of innovating. It's the nature of leading. Um, and you're right. You can take it as reassurance that you're on to something. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like, 
another quote from Albert Einstein that's like something like there's a very fine difference between stupidity and genius and or something like that. It's just like, I don't know. I love <laughs> these quotes. They make me laugh. <laughs> um, okay, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to what we were talking about here. Um, one of the things that you did, not only did you speak for a, a we event, um, but you've also done a TEDx talk. And your talk was about stop listening to the nose. So I think you've touched on this a little bit in our chats, but can you talk or tell us how you can stop worrying about the nose in business and in life and really embracing them for a positive outcome? Yeah, it really stems down to to harnessing the nose to fuel your motivation. As I mentioned um, the more you let, if you just let the nose eat you up inside and, and discourage you, you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, in my experience, success always lies behind that second or third closed door. And most people stop before they get there. Um, you're, if you're going any kind of ambitious feat or goal, there's going to be hardships along the way. There's going to be rejection of some sort or an obstacle or roadblock. And, What's really important, I like to view it almost like a map. If you're looking at a map and you're going on a road trip and you're going from A to B, there's not just one way to get from A to B. You can take the highway, of course, the one that you're familiar with, and, and go that route. But if that highway is closed or there's a detour, that doesn't mean you can't get to destination B. It just means you have to take a detour or a longer route or a back road. Or maybe you choose to fly instead of drive. Or maybe you take a cruise ship. You can take a number of different ways to get to B. It just might not be the journey you expect. And that really is something that I think is important to take with you when you're pursuing any goal of yours, regardless if it's small or, or large, is those no's are just the mini detours and bumps along the way and they're not the end of your destiny you're they're not the end of your journey yeah that's great I love that um let's switch gears a little bit one of the things that I love about you and really makes you stand out is your personality but also your fashion style I like totally have creeped your Instagram and like Twitter and Facebook and website and stuff and I just love your signature style is very much so about like bright colors and bright patterns and just like fun and fresh and you rock the floral headbands which I love do you have tips for others on standing out from a crowd or do you think that's an important part of kind of who you are <laughs> yes thank you for that by the way <laughs> you made me laugh. no um I definitely um definitely a big ambassador of embracing your unique qualities and really letting them shine through um and it really has helped me become who I am today um I do have the signature kind of hair accessory that I I've taken with me <laughs> throughout my career and it, it really comes from standing out from the crowd you want to do something that's unique uh I I generally my the best thing is kind of referring back to like the peacock uh when you go to like an evening, for example, everyone, every girl grows up knowing to have a little black dress. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you I do not have a black dress in my closet. That really? is my number one thing. My number one rule when I go out is I will not wear a black dress because you blend in with the rest of the crowd. Everyone wears dark colors and, and an evening party or a club and you won't be remembered. So if you look at even, I, I laugh still at my Canada's 
about 20 under 20 photo, you'll look and you'll see the 20 of us and they'll all be kind of the seas of grays and blacks yeah. and suits and navies. And then you'll see me in a hot pink dress in the middle. <laughs> and it really, that's an, a blatantly obvious way to stand out, but it really goes into kind of embracing your unique traits and in in acknowledging that that's really going to be your greatest asset that's what people are going to remember you for is is who you are if you try to blend in you're not going you're just going to be another face that they remembered at a networking party they're not going to remember you but if you're the one and it doesn't have to be outward appearance it could be maybe you're maybe you have a a very humor First personality and you're the funny person well rather than suppressing that be your outward self at the party and you'll be remembered as oh that was that amazing um that was that amazing person that was the life of the party the other night or maybe you're an intellectual and, and you have a real passion for history and books and so you have an intellectual conversation with someone there and they'll remember you for that intellectual conversation and not you won't be one another just see of people that they met at a networking event so definitely I'm an ambassador of standing out from the crowd and being your unique self and creating that personal brand. Someone should be able to to brand you and be like and, and be able to tell you and recognize you for who you are. So be it the funny person, be it the intellectual, be it <laughs> the stylish one, be it whatever you want it to be, but definitely embrace those qualities. Yeah, I love that. Like personal branding is a huge part of um one of the things that I'm passionate about and just really figuring out kind of what makes people unique. I think that's again, like one of those big mindset shifts for the gen Y and gen Z is that whereas in former generations, people were kind of taught to blend in and just like be part of the crowd and be part of the in crowd, so to speak. Nowadays, it's a lot more important to really define who you are and do what's right for you and show your unique self in order to stand out instead of, being just another person in the crowd. Yeah. And definitely one other thing I would like to make note on is don't let other people tell you how you should be um, and how to stand or how to fit in because but when you do so, you're you're blending in with the crowd. Mm -hmm. Even if you think it's a trending, if, if it's a trend and they say, well, the hottest look is this and you need to look like that. Well, if you look like that, you're blending in with the crowd and everyone who's trying to blend in is going to be like that. So the key to actually standing out is is being unique, almost going against the grain in some regards and, and staying true to who you are as soon as you kind of give in and become that chameleon and adapt the fads and the trends or let other people tell you who you should be or how you should act, you're going to lose that edge. Yeah, absolutely. And that's very much so reminiscent of kind of the mantra for the whole love note worthy concept is really combining those elements of love notes, which are very passionate and personalized and intimate and focusing on like being thoughtful and meaningful and authentic and then also being noteworthy, which is all about being original and having that it factor and doing something that's unique and true and authentic to yourself that allows you to be remembered. So um, I guess that leads to the final question. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it leads to the final question that I have for you today. Um, and that's, do you, what would be your number one tip, or you can give a couple tips if you have it, for how people can become more love noteworthy in their business or in their career, in their life? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, 
Definitely, I think it touches on all the points that we talked about today. Of First, I think it comes down to first understanding self and under and discovering your passion. If you can discover your, your passion and embrace who you are and your unique qualities and traits for all that you're worth, uh, and then share that passion with others. That's going to be the core to any any journey you start to, whether it's to innovate, whether it's a, a, a milestone or goal that you want to go strive for. It all starts with passion. People, uh, it goes back to kind of that the concepts of the why is people don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it. They don't buy. They don't buy the features, they buy the benefits. And if you can remember that, that's really the core to, to everything in life. And that's all goes down to the passion. People are going to want to help you and support you based on the passion and the vision in your spirit. Not necessarily what that vision is going to actually bring. Um, they're going, you're going to use that passion as your core to kind of as your compass to guide you in your in your journey. So if, if you, I think my biggest advice would be find out what you're passionate about. Don't live to work, work. Sorry. Don't, I mean, I meant the opposite. Don't work to live, live to work. Um, let your passions and work be one. Yeah. Don't let them be separate. Don't let yourself get stuck in the nine to five work and shelving your passions until a later time. Let your passions be part of your work. And then you'll truly kind of find, find your groove, find your happiness and ultimately be, be comfortable in your path to success. That's amazing, Kelly. Yeah, that's, Definitely hits the spot, um, and it really goes back to what um, I said at the beginning with <laughs> your quote or your mantra that everyone's born great. It's a simple matter of channeling one's passion to enable them to shine. So that's absolutely fantastic, and I really appreciate you spending some time talking with us and the listeners today. I think that your story and messages are really going to resonate, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what big things are going to happen for you in the next even six months or a couple years. I just, I, I feel like your energy is just so bright and shiny and there's just something like insanely enormous that's going to happen for you <laughs> in 2015. So. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I definitely encourage all the listeners out there to certainly reach out to me if they would like to learn more about some of my work or they see in alignment or want some advice on uh, on uh, the younger generation. Reach uh, me at kellyalovell.com, K-E-L-L-Y. A-L-O-V-E-L-L and all my social channels as well are Kelly A. Lavelle and that's love with two L's on the end for anyone who needs to know how to spell the name. Yeah, that's perfect. But no, it's a complete pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much. Um, And we'll definitely link all of your social media and website and whatnot uh, in the text below this podcast. Uh, The last thing that I wanted to say before we end this episode is that Um, I typically want to do a challenge for the listeners. So the challenge today is I want our listeners to tell us one instance of you listening to the no's in your life and how you're going to change your mindset to go against the no's in the future. So I definitely encourage all of you to write in your comments or post on Facebook or tell us how you're going to make a change immediately 
to go against the people that haven't believed in you in the past and you are going to go forward with your vision of what you want to do with yourself in the future. So thank you so much. I definitely second that challenge. Yeah. That's a fantastic <laughs> challenge. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely hold people accountable. I'll harass our listeners and following and make sure that people are posting their kind of almost like a making them, I guess, give up or like commit to the universe online. And that way we can hold them accountable. <laughs> but thank you so much. again. Well, they Kelly. can feel free to also take me in those posts. I will share with them. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. Me as well. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And this has been another edition of the Love Noteworthy podcast. Please feel free to reach out to either of us and have an amazing love-filled week. Thank you.